Well, good morning, church. Keith, is my mic on? I said, good morning, church. All right, there we go. Uh, my name is Mo, one of the pastors here, and um, we are thrilled. Thank you. It's just a suit coat. I get so many comments. I put this silly suit coat on, and it's like, yeah. Um, but if you're visiting with us, welcome. We are a church family here. We like to have fun. Um, and we're just grateful that you're here today. Ushers, you go ahead and come forward. You missed the cue. That's fine. We're just going to acknowledge it. We're going to push through the awkward. We're going to pass the buckets. Two of those happen to be my son, so we'll talk later. We'll get that out of the way. If you're visiting with us again, thank you for being here today. Uh, if you want to be found, you want to know more about what's happening at Conduit, there's a Connect card and a seat back near you. Fill that out. Turn it in. We have a gift for you in the back on the front porch. Um, we would love to be able to meet you. We have one of our Conduit coffee mugs that we like to pass out and we talk about a lot. Uh, if you don't want to fill out one of those cards and you just want an amazing mug, it's yours. Take it. We're just glad that you are here today. We have one really quick announcement. We're going to jump into some things. Our Marriage Helper Weekend, our marriage conference is next weekend. Valentine's is upon us, Valentine's Day. And so next weekend uh, is our Marriage Helper Weekend and led by Dr. Joe Beam and his staff. And um, it's going to be incredible. And we've been talking about it for a few weeks. We're almost sold out. Um, it's a free event, so I don't know how we sell it out, but it, we're almost sold out. We're almost out of spots. We only have room for maybe 10 more couples, and we'll, be, we'll be, have a room full here next Friday and next Saturday. So if you want to jump in with us, please uh, visit the website or come find one of us, and we'll get you signed up for that next week. Darren will be joining uh, me shortly here in the next few minutes. Um, but today, we're going to kind of have, for lack of a better word, kind of a family meeting, uh, just a simple annual report. It's something that we try to do every year at the beginning of the year, kind of give you a glimpse of where, we, where we've come in 2017, kind of where we're at and where we're going. We feel like it's important for us to be uh, clear for that at least once a year to talk about um, all that the Lord has done. And my role as executive pastor here at the church is to help steward uh, the resources of the church in general from our staff and our budget and our volunteers and the property in general uh, to stewarding the vision that the Lord's put on the heart of our pastor. Um, and so that is my role here in this church. And we have an incredible staff um, that helps execute this every week. And so, but before we get into some numbers um, and, and celebrate what the Lord has done. I kind of want to paint a picture of the story of Conduit. A lot of you guys are newer, maybe over in the past year, and the numbers will reflect that. But um, I think it helps, it helps give some context to know where we're going to understand kind of where we came from. Um, and it's hard to believe that Easter Sunday of this year will be our eight years we've been a church as Conduit. Um, it feels literally like that for, for many of us. It's gone by so quickly. But it started in 2000. Uh, 2008. About 2008, it was just a handful of folks that started a Bible study that Darren was leading. It was the Hendersons, the Tylers, the Heslops, and a, and a handful of others, probably 15 to 20 folks that were gathering once a week just to, just to have a Bible study, and that's all it was. And they called themselves Conduit. Um, they, 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 they were pretty cool. They gave their Bible study a name, um, pretty cutting edge, but, they, but the whole idea was is for them to remind themselves that uh, they wanted to be a conduit of resources. So they would just gather, um, just dive into the word, take a collection, and try to meet a need in the community each week. That's really all it was. 
And they used to meet at a place called the Listening Cafe. I don't know if you know where that is or where it used to be. You know it now as Sweet CC's in downtown Franklin. And so that's where they would meet once a week. They outgrew that. It went from 15 to 20 people to quickly to 40 to 50 people once a week meeting together and diving into the word. And so they moved just down the street to uh, Journey Church, actually, in Franklin at the factory. And so about 2009 or so, it went from about 50 people or so, 50, 60 people to almost 100 in a year's time. And this was a Bible study, just a weekly Bible study. Until the pastor of that church, one of our good friends, Jamie George, kind of whispered in Darren's ear and said, um, brother, um, I don't know if you know this or not, but um, you kind of have a church on your hands. Um, it's great that you call it a Bible study, but um, this, is a, this is a church family, and you, it is clear that you have a calling on your life. And, uh, and that was really a catalyst for the next eight years. And so they went from Journey Church to needing a permanent space, and Conduit ended up launching their first service at Independence High School, just down the road, meeting in the cafeteria, setting up and tearing down all of our children's ministry, our nursery, our worship team. Um, it, was, it was a lot of work. How many of you guys were part of that? It's amazing. Probably less than half now. We were a group of probably 100 or so, 120 at that time, and we would set up and, and tear down, and everything that we owned as a church existed and lived in that trailer. Uh, and that trailer now sits in the parking lot as a reminder as we come in and out. Um, now we use it as storage because we're out of storage space here, but there's a lot of sweat equity that happened in setting up and tearing down a church on a Sunday. Relationships got deep, um, really formed just a lot of long-lasting relationships during that time. That was 2010, Easter Sunday, first service. Fast forward four years, we come to a place where the lease is up at Williamson County for the high school. You could only meet there for about four years until you had to move on. Like, this is great, we'll help you host, you know, you can use the building, but uh, you kind of need to move on after four years. Um, and so our time was up, and we really didn't know where to go. Um, we had given much of our money away, and in fact, we gave it all away. About $1.5 million was raised in those first four years as a Bible study. Started um, feeding programs, started uh, the, the church that we referenced in Haiti a lot, Restoration Church. Um, we helped build homes uh, right after the earthquake, if you remember in 2010, during that time is when the earthquake happened in Haiti. And that little Bible study went into action and helped build a ton of homes. And so we got to the point where we were at the end of our road and really didn't have a place to go. I mean, it's either we fold it up, pack it in the trailer one more time, um, and call it a day and give some high fives and hugs and kind of go our separate ways. Um, we'll find a new place, build, build something by land, but we, we, we had given all our money away and we had actually been accused of being irresponsibly generous as a church. Um, and we were okay with that. Kind of like that. It was, uh, that was good. But, but God, during the spring of 2014, so about four years ago during this time, about February, March of that year, through um, supernatural generosity, um, God-ordained meetings, and um, just a faithful church praying, uh, we, we experienced um, kind of a Red Sea moment, per se. We were up against an obstacle, like, how are we going to get through this? We either sink or swim. 
and we experienced the miracle of a church. If you could see, that's 840 that runs right there. It's Independence High School. That's here. That's all of us. But it was a Red Sea moment where the waters parted. We met with Hillview Baptist Church. This used to be called Hillview Baptist Church. It was purchased in 1987 um, by a couple families. One of those families was Miss Bobby and her husband. All those years ago, she meets and greets us every Sunday. Um, They scraped enough money together to buy this property for $11,700 before 840, before anything was here. And they were determined to make this land and this property um, used for the Lord. They were, did not want to sell it to a developer. They could have done many things with it. But they had kind of come to the end of their line as well. And they had heard about this Bible study up the road called Conduit that was looking for a building. And we experienced a miracle, a true miracle. And if you were a part of our church fellowship at that time, you understood just how insane that it was to literally go from what seemed like no hope and no options to 13,000 square foot building on 11 acres of land in prime Williamson County in Tennessee. It was a miracle. We fast forward again another three or four years, and here we are. It's hard to believe that it's been four years already, and we are a thriving, healthy church body. Praise the Lord. And I want to talk about 2017. Just this last year, you planted three different churches, one in Haiti, Uganda, and Togo. You drilled two different wells in Uganda. If you remember, that was only supposed to be one well, but we knew that that village really needed two. We could only afford one. And if you remember, there was a Sunday over the summer where we just asked if the Lord puts it on your heart to give to building a second well, we would love to make this happen for these people. And you gave and we built the well. We funded full-time missionaries in five different countries. You helped completely renovate Place of Hope in Colombia. We've celebrated that over the past couple years or past couple months. You sent relief supplies to hurricane victims in Beaumont, Texas, Houston, Texas, in the Miami, Florida area. If you remember, we had the big trailer out front. Uh, what was it, a 53-footer? We're like, how are we going to fill that with this group of people? And you did. It was amazing. A full trailer of supplies sent to people in need. You, serve, you helped serve 150 meals a day through our feeding program in Haiti. I don't know if you know that or not, but yesterday you helped to give 150 meals to people, to kids, to children in the village in Haiti. Today they're gonna have 150 meals served. Tomorrow they're gonna do the same exact thing and they're gonna do that all year long because of your generosity. You fully funded the operation of Restoration House in Haiti. I talked a little bit about that last week. It's just an awesome ministry. It's a house that we built in Haiti that helps rescue young girls off the streets that are orphans. Um, and it gives them shelter, food, and education in the gospel, and it's a thriving ministry there. And 115 of you guys joined us for uh, overseas missions in some capacity, and a good group of that was our teenagers that joined us to go to Guatemala for the first time as a youth group this past year. And our mission statement says that we exist to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us, in the world around us. You've heard us say that many times, and you guys did just that. I'm about to throw you guys a bunch of numbers. So those of you guys that love numbers, this is for you. Enjoy. And if you don't love numbers, I'm coming back to you. Just hold on. In 2017 alone, 
$1,461,737 passed through the conduit pipeline 2017. This accounts for a 20% increase, increase over last year's giving. It's an incredible number for our church body. Then you also see that our, the budget reflects our heart. 60% of what came through the conduit pipeline went straight out to mission opportunities. Absolutely. Thank you, Kathy. It's exciting. Personnel 24, discipleship 10, facilities and administration makes up for the rest. And the impact can be felt far and wide all across the globe, not just here in, um, in Nashville and in Columbia, some of our local missions, but across the world. And that is expanding. We're constantly looking for new uh, opportunities to, to serve and give. And this is just a fun little did you know slide, just some, some fun facts. Um, the one that kind of gets me really excited and I think probably the biggest and most important number that we could share is over a thousand salvations globally through our churches here at home and across the world. A thousand different people stepped from darkness into light, found the hope of Jesus and the good news of the gospel. Praise the Lord. And here at home, a third of you guys are a part of our deeper groups, our small groups. You guys are learning to, to, to do life together. You're growing deeper in relationships. Um, and that, that number really excites me, just to know that one out of every three of us are involved in some sort of community group, small group, and uh, supporting each other in that way. And 40% of you guys, um, of our entire regular attenders, 40% of those, four out of every 10 are, are children. Um, you guys love making babies around here. Uh, it's one way to grow a church, actually. Um, and another little fun fact, in 2017, I think we had a baby born every month for the whole year. So don't drink the water. Um, 165, 165 active volunteers every month. We have 165 folks that volunteer in some way, some capacity to make this work on a Sunday each month. It's a strong number. And like I said, 115 of you guys joined us on mission this year. We'd love to see that grow as well. The story of Conduit is a story of God's faithfulness, as you can see, as you kind of hear kind of the humble beginnings and kind of what the Lord has done over the past few years. It's truly amazing. And I want us to read, um, if you have your Bibles this morning, I will not have the verses behind me, but I want us to read from the word today. Joshua chapter three, if you have that handy. Just gonna read a few verses. Joshua chapter three. And like I mentioned and I referenced, we were at a Red Sea moment at the high school. We had no real options other than the Lord to be faithful. And it took a lot of trust. And as Moses was leading the Israelites out of Egypt, with the enemy behind them and trying to move forward into the promised land, um, the Lord was faithful in that. Part of the Red Sea, they cross. And then they end up in the wilderness for 40 years due to a lot of disobedience of the Israelites. As Kim said, they were unfaithful. They just couldn't get their act together. After all the Lord had done for them, they found themselves in the middle of the wilderness. A generation goes by, Moses raises up Joshua, and the Lord then releases Joshua to lead the Israelites again to the promised land, which is the, the goal they were always trying to get to is Canaan. And he comes across or comes to the Jordan River. And this is where our text 
picks up. Joshua chapter three, starting in verse five says, and Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I love that verse, wonders among you. We've seen plenty of wonders around here. Verse six, then Joshua spoke to the priests saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. And whenever you see the Ark of the Covenant, you have to realize they're talking about the presence of the Lord. So the presence of the Lord would lead and go before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people, meaning they led the people. They're about to face the Jordan River. Verse seven, and the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. He's reminding them of his faithfulness. Just as I was with Moses in Egypt, or with the Israelites and you guys coming out of Egypt, so I will be with you, Joshua, this day. And you shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. You have to get the picture. This is... Um, Joshua speaking to the, to the Levites, those priests that were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, they were carrying the presence of the Lord, they're, they're walking dead long into what is the Jordan River. And at that time, what was happening, that Jordan River was, was flooded, it was overflowing. It was probably, um, records show that it was probably 100 foot wide or so, a 100 foot wide river, probably 20 to 30 feet deep, and it was raging. I don't think any of us would want to try to cross that by ourselves but the Lord was telling them to trust me. Skip down to verse 14. He says, so it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant, God's presence, before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, they had to take a step of faith, literally. For the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest, in verse 16, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Sartan. So the waters that went down into the Dead Sea failed and were cut off. And the people crossed over opposite Jericho, in some versions say, on dry ground. He was faithful again. Their Red Sea moment from years before has now become a Jordan River moment where they had to trust God's faithfulness, trust his provision, his presence leading them into what ended up being the promise. And just as the river was overflowing its banks, um, quite frankly, so are ours here at Conduit. <laughs> we experienced a 20% growth since I gave this report this time last year. 20% increase in attendance. 2015, we were having 280 people join us on a Sunday. In 2016, 305 weekly average. And then this past year, we jumped to 380 average per week, which accounts for a 22% increase. You know, when I said earlier we had a 20% increase in our giving, um, it's no coincidence that it results from a 22% increase of people. And what I love about that is when there's more of you, we give more. There's more that we can do globally. And 146 households are represented as part of Conduit Church. Those are families that call Conduit their home, 146 different families, which makes up 
about 531 regular attenders, and we define regular attenders as those that are here generally two times a month. So just like in the passage we read, if I could be so bold, perhaps this is our Jordan River moment where we've come out of the Red Sea and God's been faithful. We're heading to what's next moving forward and our banks are overflowing. But above all, most importantly, the Lord is bringing people to this place to find a sense of community, clarity, and purpose. Community, clarity, and purpose. That's what we hear from the majority of you guys on a regular basis. The feedback that we get is that you're part of Conduit because you find a sense of community in serving, in going on mission abroad, just in this place. You find clarity. I'm so grateful and thankful, and I know you would agree that we have a pastor that teaches clearly, can can uh, divide the word in a way that is fresh and relevant, clear, brings clarity, and just a sense of purpose and belonging and meaning that we can accomplish great things together. So as we're growing, as the banks are overflowing, as, as you see the parking lot is a mess. This morning, we couldn't park on the front lawn like we have been doing as some overflow because... Well, there's overflow of water, um, about two inches of water on the front lawn this morning. I got my car stuck in it this morning, just so that you know. Um, was able to get it out, but our parking lot's overflowing. Our hallways are crowded. Our classroom's in the back. Um, if you were to go back right now, probably, during second service, generally speaking, our classrooms are kind of busting at the seams. Um, you guys drink more coffee than you've ever have. We are flying through coffee. We had to upgrade every bit of our coffee presentation to accommodate um, and now, for the first time, there's actually a line to use the bathroom most times between services. That's a brand new thing. <laughs> so what's next? How do we, how do we accommodate this? And uh, one thing that we did a year ago, a year ago, Easter service, we did three services, Easter Sunday. Last year, we had 560 join us last Easter. And we did three services, 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11, and it went flawlessly. We were really intimidated by it at first. It was the first time we'd ever thought about doing something like that. We did it, and there was margin, there was breathing room, there was way less chaos. And uh, at the end of the day, I remember thinking, man, I thought that was going to be a nightmare, and it ended up being the opposite. And so this Easter, which is April 1st, um, it's not a joke, uh, Easter's on April 1st, and we are having three services again, 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11, and beginning April 1st and moving forward, we are going to continue that, three services, moving forward. Again, this allows us for um, some breathing room and some margin in all of our pressure points that we're experiencing right now. But to do that, um, we truly do need your help. Um, from a volunteer perspective. We have 165 active volunteers um, to move to an, an, a third service. We're gonna need a handful more. And so if you've, if you've been maybe sitting on the bench or kind of deciding, you know, do, I, do I put my foot in the Jordan River and trust the presence of the Lord that's leading us to the promised land, um, now's the time. We need your help, whether it's teaching kids, um, holding babies in the nursery, helping prepare copious amounts of coffee, um, helping our lot get parked, and a safety security team that we've initiated over this past year. There's multiple ways to jump in and serve to make this happen. 
There's some other ideas that we have too, and I, I want to invite our elders forward um, to kind of talk through that, and we're going to pray a little bit about that, kind of help paint the full picture. Darren, of course, um, Jeremy Heslop, Jim Henderson, and Mark Bourgeois, along with Darren and I, make up our elder board. Good morning. You know, we, um, yeah, thanks, Mom. That was good. Uh, it was really good. <laughs> he has numbers and pictures and stuff. Um, here's what I remember. Uh, 2010, the earthquake in Haiti had just happened in January. And I had just signed over the paperwork to sign over my company. And I was supposed to go out and raise a whole bunch of money to start a church. Because uh, there's systems for this. And if you've been around the church while, well, you know what it is. You're supposed to raise $140,000 and yada, whatever, yada, yada. It's like you're starting a Taco Bell franchise. Maybe, maybe we should have. Maybe, maybe that would be a good idea, actually. Uh, but the earthquake in Haiti happened. And I had friends there. And I don't know if they were alive or dead. And I knew that we had to move forward helping them. And so when we were supposed to be out raising money, we were busy running a rescue operation to the southern coast of Haiti for those three months. And I remember sitting in February, um, not knowing where we were going to meet yet as a church. And I should have been more scared than I was. I was just naive. I wasn't smart. I was actually, I wasn't scared because I was stupid. I didn't know. <laughs> and I remember we were sitting down for dinner with our friends Jay and Pam Seculo, and some of you know them in the community. And Jay, uh, we were talking about getting a jet of stuff, supplies to Haiti, a little Mexican restaurant in Franklin. And he asked, well, where, where are we going to be meeting as a church? And it was the first time I'm like, wait, you, you're going you gonna to sign up for this ride? Um, and I, I told him, well, we want to meet at Independence High School, but they don't let churches in there. And I just gotten an email that morning from the principal saying, that we're, thank you for your application, but we don't let churches in here, so thank you. And so I said that to Jay, and he said, oh, we'll back up. And if you don't know, Jay won the Supreme Court case that allows churches to meet in schools back in 1990. And I literally didn't think about that until that moment. Like, oh, no, 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 we don't want to sue anybody. I don't want to get on the news. I don't, you know. Like, and uh, they, uh, we moved into the high school six weeks later. So um, <laughs> my point in telling that story is I've seen God miraculously provide for this thing over and over and over again without us having to change the fabric of who we are and what God has called us to be. Um, when a, a guy sat down across the table from me, a fellow pastor, and he said, uh, he's looking at our spreadsheets. This is as we're sitting in the high school now. And we have that, we're up, to, we're up against the thing. We've got to be out of here by this fifth year's over. We're, he, and he's looking at our docu. He's trying to help me and mentor me, and he's looking at the spreadsheet and says, well, I'm going to tell you, man, uh, you've been irresponsibly generous. And because of that, you're going to have to choose what you want to be. Do you want to be a mission or do you want to be a church? And here's the thing. Looking at the paper, he was right. But aren't you glad that the kingdom of God doesn't exist on paper? <laughs> because at that moment, we had the opportunity, and the opportunity was we could, here's where our choices. One, we, changed, we just shut down the church, start a new one, and call it something new, and reapply to the school. That was an option. Which the attorney said, that's a terrible idea. And then a week later, he called back to say, you know, that's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> oh. Second option was we challenged Williamson County uh, through the legal process and say that this is not a constitutionally sound. That was an option, not one that we would be guaranteed to win, but more importantly, not one that I wanted on our shoulders. I didn't feel peace about that, that, that we're all over the news suing the school. That wasn't in my heart. Uh, third one, which is the one I thought God was going to do, 
was we just say 180, 200 of us, whatever, it was a good ride and God is good and we go our separate ways. And I thought that was probably what God was going to, because it felt kind of punk rock, but it also felt like, it felt like that that's, this, was, that this existed for a period of time, you know? So I, those are our three options. The problem was that the pastor who told me we had been irresponsibly generous, and even in my prayer time, what does he say? More than you could think or ask. I never thought of a fourth option, <laughs> the Jesus option, which is he just signed over a building to us in the same part of town within a mile of where we were, and we would move in here zero dollars debt free. I didn't think about that option more than we could think or that we could ask. That's what he did for us. And here's what we're going to tell you this morning. If you're tensing up right now because you're waiting for us to hand out the cards to sign up how much you're going to give over the next three years and sign a piece of paper. Was that what they're called? Faith, faith promise? God moves in that way for sure. Churches do it and it's fine. That's just not what we're doing. All we're saying to you is, let's pray. Let's see what God does this time. When we moved into here, this thing was valued somewhere around 1.5 million is what the, the, the real estate agent told us. You know how much we had given away by that point? 1.5 million. The Bible says, he who gives to the poor loans to God and he will repay you in full. And as I was sitting back there this morning praying, you know how much we've given away now? Three million. You know how much it might cost if we were to build just a little 500 seat auditorium on the front of our property here? Three million. He who gives to the poor loans to God, he will repay in full. So what I'm here to tell you this morning is this is going to be different than what you've maybe experienced before in another church. Okay? They're not wrong. We are for churches. We are for what Jesus is doing. We're just saying that what God chose to do here has been different the whole time, and we're not going to change that now. And I've got hundreds of children in Haiti and Uganda and West Africa that need us not to be stupid and strap ourselves to something that keeps us from helping them. I'm not going to go back there and look them in the eye and say, well, good luck with all that. Instead, we're inviting you into this conversation and saying, let's pray about this. I, I don't think it's God that we shut the door and say we're full. I just don't think that. I think that there are people right now, Rob and Amanda Juilliard, live in Guatemala because they wandered in here on a Sunday morning and Jesus moved on their hearts and called them into the nations. I don't know how many more Rob and Amandas are out there. And I could go down, I can look in this room and see God, he's tapped up people on the shoulders. We're not going to shut the doors. That's not the gospel, right? On the other hand, we're going to just say, if he's going to do it, this is Jesus' church, it's not mine. I'm not going to carry that weight. He didn't ask me to. His burden is light. His load is easy. We're going to let him carry the weight. It's his church. If he chooses to fund it, then we're, here we go. If he chooses not to fund it, then he has spoken, if that makes sense. So I want to hand this over to Mark and then to Jerry. Actually, you know what? Let's actually start with Jim. What did, what, did, uh, what did God do? He told Joshua, send in the spies to scout out the land. I want to introduce you to our spy, Jim Henderson. Okay. <laughs> Jim is an architect. How about God dropping an architect on our, our elder board? Right? Um, and has engaged with the county to research the land itself that we're sitting on. 11 acres, paid for, debt-free. Did I mention that? Okay. And so, Jim, could you give us as practical, ground-level, non-architect of a, a description of where we are in that process? Yeah, and Donna, just let me know when I don't. So, uh, 
So when we moved in here four years ago with the merging of the two churches, we met with the county. There were certain things that needed to be filed, et cetera. And um, some of the stuff I'm just going to share with you is us four years later just doing our due diligence and getting there. Um, one of the things that they asked us for at that time was that we needed to survey the topography, which is to say that the land, you know, uh, the highs and lows of the land, et cetera, existing building, where the, you know, all the trees, all of that stuff had to be done um, and filed with the county. What they had on was from like the 80s, so it was out of, out of date. We have moved ahead and done that at this point. Um, again, we're just doing due diligence, but it's something that can be used towards the future should we decide that we're going to be doing anything else. Um, in that time frame, we reached out to a, um, through a recommendation of another church in town, to an engineering company. Um, I've met with the, the, the individuals on a, on a number of occasions because one of the things that as Mo shared the numbers with, as we grow, we can, are going to continue to tax the septic system that is out there. And that septic system is old. And uh, it does, it's going to reach a, a point where it's, you know, there's only so much it can hold, so to speak. Um, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> we might get more in here than we get out there. So we have begun to... to um, you know, figuring out where a new septic system can actually go, which is all a part of this. So depending on, some of you who come to the, you know, on the homeschool uh, days, if you pick the right day, you might have come where there was a number of flags out there in the, in the property and, and guys running around and I had cones out there in, in the whole nine yards. And we were basically just spacing things out um, and trying to figure out, can the land, just doing due diligence, sustain what we need for a septic? Because if we can't, that's going to answer a big question whether we have to close the doors or not or what we're going to do, you know, um, as far as taking care of the septic. So that has also been done at this stage. And that engineer is now, uh, we have a retainer with him, and he's going to be advising going forward on certain things that we have as far as that is concerned. The last thing that um, we're working with, uh, Mo, Darren, and I, is what's called a letter of intent or LOI. And they asked for this four years ago. And what they're asking for is pie in the sky, where do you want to be 10, 15 years from now? Nobody really knows, but they're trying to get a, a feel for this. Um, are you going to be running, you know, uh, I don't know, 600 people through your building, you know, during the, during the week? You know, things along that lines. Because of the fact Lewisburg Pike is a two-lane highway out there. They need to know traffic concerns. What is going to happen with that? Um, if they bring utilities out this way, they need to know to plan for that. So all of this needs to go into a letter of intent just to basically tell them what we're going to do. We're not held to anything, understand? Um, they're just saying, hey, if you got $10 million dropped in your lap, what would you do? If you got $10 dropped in your lap, how does that change the plan? And so they're not holding us to anything, but these are just things that we're, we're um, you know, aiming for. And then I guess the time frame is what you'd probably... Um, yeah. A lot of people ask, well, what kind of time frame in terms of if we were looking ahead and, and getting the process going with not only septic, but suppose the, the you know, a building program or anything along that line, just what we're, what we're looking at. We're anywhere from 24 to 36 months out. And that's if we started, you know, uh, four months ago when we did. So the, it's only going to get tighter. It's only going to get, you know, fuller. Hence the reason the three services to try and alleviate a little bit of the strain. Um, if I talked over anybody's head, you can always come and ask me these questions, and I'd be happy to explain it to you. It's Jim at ConduitChurch.com. <laughs> one, one of the great provisions from the Lord for us. If we were to have hired an architect to tell you what he just told you, okay, $250 an hour, 
God has been miraculously providing along the way, and we believe he will continue to. Jeremy? Yeah, I just really simply just wanted to say something. It's almost like a, hey, state the obvious. But um, I just have really appreciated, like, Mo and Darren, and they're just vulnerability and their just complete openness throughout this whole process. We, all of us, we gathered with our, our wives in, a few weeks ago just to kind of talk through that type of thing. And there's, uh, being, I've, I grew up in the church and uh, a little bit different type of church and I loved it, had a great experience, but we walked through a building uh, campaign and we went through all these different things. It's just, it looks different this, this round for me. And I'm excited about it because we literally have no idea like what exactly God is up to. So we're just taking a step at a time. And I love that we have a congregation, we have a group of people who uh, we can come forward at this stage. Because I'll tell you what most people say to do. And there are a lot of websites and there are a lot of things you can go through and say, here's how you do this kind of thing. And it's not be open and honest this early uh, in the process. It is have a plan, show the pictures, have all these different things uh, in place, have it figured out so that way you can have the buy-in and you are working towards. And for us as a team, just wanted to say like, hey, we're, we're open. Where you see us hanging around after church, uh, come talk to us. Um, we literally, we're just taking a step at a time and praying a lot. And we value the feedback that you guys have and the, uh, the things that you guys are feeling and that God is, hey, what if we did this kind of thing? What if God could do this? That's how most of uh, this whole thing exists. I remember Darren sitting down, uh, he and I uh, having wings years ago, and he's like, hey, I think I'm supposed to plant a church. He's like, okay. Well, how about I come with you? Like, that was the extent. It's like, I feel like we should hug or something. Like, and then we just left, like, went back to our jobs. Um, and so it's, we're going to take that. We're doing the due diligence of the things that just oh, drive me crazy to try to figure out the things that Jim has been figuring out. But uh, we're just here. We're here as a congregation. We're a bunch of families who are just going to walk through this journey and believe that God has something uh, even bigger than anything that we could ever dream up in store. Um, so, look, a lot has already been said. I think that what we really wanted to communicate was for you to take a deep sigh of relief. That not to worry about that there's going to be some big ask that you're going to see that all of a sudden, you know, like... Jeremy said that there's pictures every week and this, you know, how much are you going to do now and all that kind of pressure stuff. I don't really believe that's of the Lord, to be quite frank. I've seen it done a lot. Um, and, you know, the idea of manipulating people to give based on, are you crowded? Well, give us more money. You know, that does, doesn't seem right. Um, on the other hand, there is a responsibility we all, all of us has, have as believers, which is to ask God what your part is. What's your role? What's he called you to, and what's the purpose that you're serving in the kingdom in this community? And that's really one of the exciting things. Um, you know, when I fly all over the world, um, people ask me, you know, from time to time, I was talking to my partner a few minutes ago, um, and we are talking about faith, and um, he's a Muslim, and we were talking about what, uh, what you believe in. And so from that perspective... I think that the idea of expecting God to embrace who you are, which is exactly what you are as a believer. You are in Christ. And so from that perspective, what are you called to be about? And the idea of a conduit being really, what's the cheapest way to get resources from one end to the other? Just through a conduit, right? A simple pipe. 
And so that's really what the church has stood for over the years is actually listening to you. What has God supernaturally placed in you and on your heart to be about for his kingdom? And so what we really want to do is help facilitate and foster that and blow on that, those embers, if you would, to allow people to find what God has for them. How should you serve in this community? So what we're not saying is, okay, sit back, don't do anything. What we are saying is lean into this and ask the Lord, what should you be part of and how can you be part of this? And the other thing I fully expect, I fully expect that people are going to have dreams and visions and words and things that you believe are part of this. And so we want to engage all of you to send those to the email. You know, um, we can't, frankly, sit down and have a meeting on every idea, but rather send those things in and just know they will be prayed over, they'll be considered. What we really want to encourage you is walk with the Lord in the place that he's called you. Thanks, Mark. Here's the thing about me. I'm really bad at predicting the future. If you would have asked me five years ago to give us the five-year plan for the church, it wouldn't, we wouldn't be here. That wasn't even on my radar. So when I look to the future, I'm holding on loosely, but just saying, what is Jesus asking us to do next? And it seems like, you know, a lot of people in Williamson County buy land so you can look at it. It's nice. But did God give us this piece of land in the middle of everywhere? Not the middle of nowhere, just to look at. You know, and in my mind's eye, it's, uh, I can see the, the house on the back still, Kathy. I, I can see that in my mind's eye. I can see a, a place on the front where the Lord would allow us to use as a sending mechanism to send more people into the nations. You know one thing about us, if we ever have a building, it will be used every day that we can use it. Like we are, I think one of the greatest wastes of God's money is an empty church sanctuary Monday through Friday. God, you know, if, you, if you're about at the homeschool community, you know this building is used, and it's used hardcore, and we would not change that at all. What we're saying today is this. Would you pray with us? Would you expect the impossible with us? Because I want you to know this is impossible. This is not. And I, I shared this picture when I was in Haiti. I'm looking at this church carved, literally cut into the side of a mountain that wasn't possible to these young little Haitians that were there, these people that had no money. And God literally, they looked at a mountain and said, looks like a good enough place for me. Put a church. And I believe that God, in the same way that he has miraculously provided, that we have built these buildings and these structures for clinics and orphanages and churches and schools around the world, that if it's his will that he wants it to be here, that he'll make it happen. That's why we're not going to hand out the cards. and Because we're just, we're gonna, this is Jesus' church. We're asking him to fund it. And if he is tapping on your heart today, we just ask that you listen. That's it. Just like we would for any other thing with a missionary, we say the same thing. What is the Lord leading you to do? You know, obviously there are expenses that are in the immediate when it comes to hiring engineers and stuff. And so Mo's going to put a link on the website that for, is a new pop down for it that'll be for that. that you can donate to, but just as the Lord leads. And I want to expect the impossible with you guys to, to see that like what he's done here is impossible already. We had an 85% chance of failing as a church when we started. Right, impossible odds, and yet here we are. 
He's done the impossible the whole way. Let's pray today. We're going to pray here, and I ask you as you leave today, uh, if info at conduitchurch.com, if he's putting words on your heart and ideas and dreams, we want to hear from it. And we're going to, we are all adults. We're going to treat you like adults. We're inviting you to be a part of this with us. I'm not going up to the mountain from the word from God and coming back down. I'm, I'm inviting all of us to be a part of this prayer. So let's pray. Jesus. This is your church, it's not mine. It's not our goal to build something to cause growth. It's your job to grow. Even adding services, Lord, is just to accommodate growth, not to cause it. We're just saying we want to make room for what you're doing, not ask you to make room for what we're doing. And so this morning, as a, as a family of believers, fully engaged with you in faith, asking for you to miraculously part these waters yet again for us. As we begin to prepare our hearts like the people of Israel were preparing before the Jordan crossing, as we're preparing our hearts in prayer today, Lord, asking for you to speak visions and dreams and words to us. And Lord, thank you for trusting us, for allowing us the privilege of being the steward of this thing that you have called conduit your church that is about your kingdom not my kingdom your will be done not my will be done on Lewisburg Pike as it is in heaven Heavenly Father we, uh, we come before you humbly we thank you for the work that is going on here. We thank you for the many stories that you have bound into the story that is conduit, not just here on this property, but around the world, Lord God. I thank you how you have supernaturally expanded dollars to build churches and dig wells. And I thank you for the many, many lives, Lord God, that have been changed, including my own, just being a part of this story. And Lord God, I'm reminded of a parable that you spoke of in Matthew, Lord, where the master leaves and he leaves various sums of wealth with his servants, Lord God, and one chooses to bury it. I pray that we wouldn't bury what we have. It wasn't ours anyway. I pray that, Lord God, that you would use us to take your word to the world around us, Lord God, here in Williamson County and beyond. And I pray, Lord God, for wisdom as we take these steps of faith to three services and whatever else follows. It's your story, Lord God. And we simply want to be your hands and feet. And we say that our yes is a yes, Lord. In Jesus' name. Dear God, we take a moment to pause and thank you for all that you did in the last year. There's, there's numbers of, that are pretty staggering uh, from the resources that flowed through this church, from the number of families impacted locally and across the globe. It's just, it's amazing. God, we thank you for the thousands of people who came to know you. Because that's why we're doing this. God, we thank you for the hope and the, and the peace and the comfort that comes from just knowing you. And God, as we look to the future, 
God, I pray that more than ever before that, it, that you would just give us individually as families just ideas of what we can do to impact our community around us, to, to affect this community in a way that it's never seen. God, 100% for your glory. As we dream about the future, God, I'm excited. We should be excited. Your track record is pretty amazing. Not just in our lifetime, but throughout history, God. You do amazing things. You restore people's hearts. You restore marriages, your families. God, you give us hope. We're so grateful for that. And God, we ask for provision. We ask for direction during this time. We ask for more unity than ever before. God, would you just go before us and, and more importantly, God, would you show us what you are already doing and help us to be a part of it. It's not about our plans, our own ambitions, God, uh, but this is about you. This is all about you, Lord. We're so thankful to be a part. And then just one last personal request, God. And would you please have the Patriots lose tonight the Super Bowl? Amen. <laughs> Would you stand to your feet? <laughs> yeah, well, you know. <laughs> I'm attempting to FaceTime David Christopher right now. They're at the airport in uh, Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Um, he's been texting me this morning. They've been hit with sickness right as they got to the airport. Um, Kyle Froman, I don't know if this is going to work or not. Uh, Kyle Froman is actually, he, if he's got a kidney stone, he's not even sure. But we, here's the thing. If you've been sick in Haiti, we got to get him out of Haiti. we got to get him to Miami to figure this out. So we're... Even if he doesn't, is he uh, FaceTime unavailable? So we're just going to pray for him. That's a church family and say that uh, there's two others that, that literally said the minute they hit the airport, they, they started feeling sick, like in their stomach. So it, we don't know what it is, but as a church family, let's cover them in prayer right now. Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Lord, we come before you this morning and pray that you would move supernaturally couple thousand miles away in the airport at Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Would you give healing and miraculous recovery to our team as they're coming back? That uh, They've done a lot of great work for the kingdom this week, and of course, they're going to come under fire. So we just ask, Lord, for you to intervene miraculously on behalf of Kyle and Michelle in China, that you would heal them, Lord. Get them onto that plane. Get them out of there and get them back home. For their families who are worried and praying for them right now, would you give them strength and let them know that we are all praying together, two or three gathered in your name, asking according to your nature, Jesus, who you are, Jesus, we're asking these things. Amen. I'll keep you updated on that inside the private Facebook group. Um, as this process goes here, we will continue to update you as we have information, uh, which will be in the coming weeks and months and years. Go in and be blessed.